CJLO 1690 AM. This is the Onomatopoeia Show where we talk about all graphic arts all the time. And today, if you hadn't guessed, it's the continuation of our Sandman series. It's only two episodes. That's it. And then uh, we'll move on to other stuff. But last time I did this, which was about three weeks ago, because uh, Fantasia came along and Just Relapse came along and uh, there were some interviews going on and uh, it's time sensitive, so you gotta play that stuff. But anyways, we're gonna continue the Sandman stuff. But last time we spoke about it, I was mostly specifically talking about the um, core series that was written by Neil Gaiman uh, in 1989 and lasted till 1996. Uh, there were 75 issues. It was entirely written by Neil Gaiman. It it is one of the best comics. Period. The end. And it's not something that anybody should really say lightly because there's been so many amazing comics. But the thing about the Sandman series is that it's brilliant on par with Alan Moore's writing. You know what I mean? Like Alan Moore, when he writes something, there's just so many things going on. When you go back and you reread it, you find so many things that you missed before. Sandman is exactly the same way. Written and created by Neil Gaiman, illustrated by a score of different people from Michael Zuli to Mike Dringeberg to Jill Thompson to... um, 
Sam Keith, like it's just like I really got into it when because I love Mark Hempel and he did one of the later books. And um, you can get the trades anywhere at the library, at the chapters, at anywhere. Anybody, everybody has this. I know people that own this series in hardcover just because they read it so often they want it to last forever. It's amazing. Now, this world that Neil Gaiman created is so rich and so expansive that. People just cannot stop writing within it. And thankfully, Gaiman is not so possessive of his characters that he allows other people to take them and write with them. And of course, originally, Sandman was sort of based on a DC concept anyways to begin with. So really, it's got a long history of letting other people play with its um, the characters within the story. Now, the story of Sandman is thus. Basically, it starts out, and you learn about the Lord of Dreams, and he's been uh, trapped by a sort of Aleister Crowley-type character who was hoping to trap death. Um, so over a series of issues, he eventually escapes. He tries to find his talismans that have uh, been scattered to the four corners of the earth. And then after coming to terms with some of the bad things that he's done after having this horrible thing happen to him, he's realized, he realizes that maybe it's time for him to evolve and to maybe, and sort of like Doctor Who becomes somebody else, but still remain the same person. It's, it's pretty fascinating. But the thing is, is like, there's just all these characters within fiction, within the story. There's all these amazing, great explanations for things that have happened in life. I just, I find that Neil Gaiman, really, there's very few writers, especially in comics, that are at the same level as him. So what we're going to talk about today, uh, oh, and you know, there's one more thing I wanted to kind of mention about the Sandman is that, so all this stuff is happening to the Lord of the Dreams, but there's also all this stuff happening to other people, as well as the rest of his family. You see, the whole concept of uh, Neil Gaiman's universe is that these characters that embody emotion uh, are the endless. They've been here since the beginning of time. And they, you know, gods speak to them and gods come and go. Humans barely, rarely see them. The Lord of Dreams can really only be seen when you're dreaming sort of thing. And so the rest of his family, it also, this, the, the books also talk about them. And there's death and despair, desire, delirium, who used to be delight, destruction, who's abandoned them all, and destiny, I believe is the last one. I think I named them all there. But it's, it's a really fascinating concept. And like I said, a lot of writers want to involve themselves in this world because it's so much fun and there's so much depth. Now, we're going to go to a track, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the spin-off stories of Sandman because a while ago I spoke about the core story. This Now we're going to talk about the various people who've had that property, the Sandman, and what they've done with it, whether they've had really good artists working with them, because sometimes it's hit or miss. But for the most part, I have to honestly say, the majority of the artists involved with Sandman are just stellar. And that's what makes it such a great series, is that, you know, things like, um, I love Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, and I've always constantly want to read the comics, but I'm continually disappointed because the art is so crap. And it's it's being published by two separate publishers, uh, Dark Horse and, I believe, IDW is the other one. I'm not sure. I could be wrong about the other one, but... 
the fact of the matter remains is if they just got some really good artists, it would be the kind of series that would go down in history, much like the Sandman. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Let's get to some music. Uh, I'm going to play for you The Cranberries. This track is called Dreams. Before that, we, we opened the show with the Cordette singing Mr. Sandman. And uh, you're listening to CJLO 1690 AM. This is the Automatopoeia show where we talk about all graphic arts all the time. And this time, we're talking about Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Specifically, we're going to be talking about like the dreaming and uh, Merv Pumpkinhead and some of the other spinoffs. Okay, so here we go. Cranberries, dreams.
We are the award-winning award-winning edge of the city. Uh, it's some kind of combination of just sort of irrational, directionless hay. Ooh. It's like a like a breath of fresh, sexy Latin American air. Wait, what? That's a win right there. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely phenomenal and creepy all at the same time. Wow! 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 Oh. Edge of the City Comedy Gold. This is CJLO 1690AM. This is the Automatic PS show where we talk about all graphic arts all the time. Uh, what you just heard was Dreams by the Cranberries. And uh, it's a nice little segue into what we're going to be talking about, which is the spinoffs of the Sandman series written and created by Neil Gaiman. Now, when the Sandman ended in uh, 96, lots of people were harshed out, man. It was such a great series that it was so hard to just imagine life without it. And it had gone on for such an incredibly long time. That and it was just so, so like riveting. And I'm not kidding. Like seriously, a couple of weeks ago, I was just like, you know, I had the Sandman's all over my apartment because I had been talking about them before, and I picked up the Wake because I was just like, ah, you know, it's been a while since I read that, and that's it. <laughs> Sucked right into that comic. It was so good, so well written, and it's like about the death of the Sandman, and so it's like epically depressing. But you're still just like you can't. You can't stop reading. It's so good. So what they did is they came up with The Dreaming, which is a series that was not written by Neil Gaiman, but it took part in the world that he created. And it was... The thing is, is like the characters that he created in Dreaming are so great, such great characters that people wanted to continue to see them and write with them and use them. And Gaiman was such a nice creator. He was like, yeah, sure, no problem. So that's what happened there. Now, The Dreaming takes place in the world where um, Sandman lives. And the thing is, is like he is the Lord of Dreams, right? So when you sleep and you dream, you go into his realm. And there's all these denizens. So, for example, Cain and Abel, you know, the two brothers that um, Adam and Eve had, but were also like part of DC's sort of like um, House of Mystery and House of Secrets line. And they're constantly, Cain's constantly killing Abel kind of thing. Um, they. They made lots of appearances within the Sandman series, so they went, you know, when they are living in the dreaming. As well, there is uh, Eve who becomes like, it's amazing. She'll go through, especially in the Sandman series, you see her do it too, but she ages like with each panel. She'll be young and old and she flips. And then there's Matthew the Raven, who actually turns out to be um, the ex husband of Abigail from Swamp Thing. And that's. One of the great things, again, that I've mentioned before that I love about Neil Gaiman is that he he kind of, he weaves. He's such a great story weaver. Um, He explains the swamp thing at one point... um at uh, when he did that Black Orchid series with Dave McKean, it was all about Poison Ivy and how she was also friends with the Black Orchid and Alec Holland, who was a Swamp Thing, went, also went to like university with her and there were like these... Anyways, okay, I'm getting distracted. I'm still talking about the dreaming here. Let's talk about the dreaming. So my point is, is that there are all these great characters, Matthew, Cain, Abel, Eve. Um, there's also the Corinthian who is like uh, the Sandman's nightmare, uh, but he still controlled him. There was also Merv Pumpkinhead who was like this pumpkin head, but who was also like the janitor of dreaming. Uh, there was Lucian who was uh, like the librarian of dreams. And there was Nuala who the Sandman was given, but never really cared for her, even though she tried to make herself indispensable throughout the realm and eventually ended up leaving and going on her own journeys 
within the dreaming. There's also cameos of the rest of the endless, endless like um, death and destiny and desire show up. To be honest with you, uh, I mostly just read the series, didn't really buy it. I was in a lucky position where I got to do that <laughs> with a lot of stuff back in the old days. Uh, it was supposed to have a lot more variety in it, but it ended up having really long epic story arcs, which was actually quite enjoyable. And it, it makes makes it really a good sort of cohesive story. Um, it was edited by uh, Caitlin R. Kiernan, I believe, and also co-written by her. Oh, I could be wrong about that. It might be edited by somebody else, but written by her. Yeah, no, it was edited by Alyssa Quinty. Quinty? Oh, I'm terribly, terribly mangling these poor people's names. Anyways, my point is, is that you can find these dreaming books anywhere. They're not hard to get either. Um, while they may not be Neil Gaiman, they're still a very enjoyable resource to continue on the Sandman mythos if you were really upset when it ended. Um, and then there was all these like little uh, like one shot mini series where it was like um, like there was one where it was Merv Pumpkinhead, Agent of Dreams, and that was really, really, really funny because it was actually well, it was written by Bill Willingham, and so it Bill Willingham has got a very good sense of humor, and he's yeah, he's hilarious. And uh, let's see if I can find it here so we can talk about it because I forget some of the artists that were in it. Oh, we'll talk about it in a minute. But anyways, there was just there's all these great, great miniseries. The only dreaming that I actually own, because I went and I checked it out to see what I had, because I actually have a bunch, and there's things that I've bought and, and things that I haven't. I have issue number 56, which was uh, written by Caitlin Kiernan, but illustrated by Steve Leahola, who was initially doing a lot of the art in um, Fables, if you're reading that. Uh, but it's actually kind of a cool story that's all about how... Uh, it's about Edgar Allan Poe, and I've never been a big Poe fan. Like, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it's good. I'm just not saying that I'm, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, Edgar Allan Poe, I have to watch this movie about Johnny Depp, or not Johnny Depp, sorry, John Cusack being Edgar Allan Poe, the mystery solver. But this comic was actually really, I thought, a sort of nice revamp on the writer. It's about how, like, his wife has died, and she's sort of haunting him a little, and he's getting really upset, and he can't, he's kind of going crazy. But it's also about the cat. That, that his wife used to own and how the cat sees all this happening and of course the cat realizes that there's this evil Lovecraftian lizard octopus monster living in the basement of uh, Edgar Allan Poe's house and that's what's causing him to go batty um, not syphilis or the mass amounts of drugs that Edgar Allan Poe did no <laughs> but anyways I just I, it was a really good story because it was it focused on the cat and that's one of the things that I really loved about the Sandman is that there's all these different perspectives. So like there's even a mini series about um, Bast, who's like the, the goddess of cats. And I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Sandman, there was this one really great story about a young cat and how it had discovered that it used to rule over humans. So there's like, there's just, it's when I say it's rich with lore, it is rich with lore and people mind it. So um, I was talking about Merv Pumpkinhead, Angel of Dune that came out in 2000. Um, another really good one, is uh, everything you ever wanted to know about dreams but were afraid to ask. And I do believe this was also written by Pete Willing or Bill Willingham too. Yeah, it is. And he's like, he's a really good choice because he's got a really firm handle on sort of like legends and mythology. But he also is very, very hilarious. And But there's just so many stories. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Are there really universal symbols which can occur in dreams and can be interpreted by experts? Uh, there was this great Merv Pumpkinhead one with a mermaid. It looks like it's illustrated by Mark Buckingham. 
I bet it is. I bet it is. Buckingham, of course, is now the artist that's doing fables. And uh, there's like art by Kevin Nolan and what causes reoccurring dreams. And these little one shots are great uh, if you can find them. There were there was also stories in uh, A Winter's Edge, which is like a three uh, a yearly three. There was okay. It came out once a year for three years that has stories in there of like desire and uh, despair. There was this amazing Corinthian Death in Venice miniseries, three issues that was done by Danko McCain, who wrote it, and uh, Daniel Zizel illustrated it. There was like the Thessalad, and that's finally when Tara McPherson started to do covers for DC, which was really exciting because I love her work. Um, there was also this uh, four issue miniseries, Petrifax, which is about this world where they deal only with death. And like, it's just great because it further explains more of these characters that you want to learn about. Let's see, there was uh, a Lucifer three issue series i think that one was the one that was illustrated by scott hampton i could be wrong uh they they just work with such great illustrators whether it be like teddy christensen working on mythos the final tour there was just it's just the list goes on and on and on and on and on it's just so good see steven siegel was writing co-writing some of the sandman mystery theater and yeah, there's there's other stuff I want to talk about, but I'm going to go to another track because I want to talk about Jill Thompson's Dead Boy Detectives, and I want to talk about The Girl Who Would Be Death, and I also want to talk about Little Endless. Oh yeah, I got to talk about Little Endless, and then there's some news. So let's uh, do another track, and then we'll do some news. You're listening to CJLO 1690 AM. This is Blondie, and you know this song. You've heard it a bajillion times before because it's classic rock now. Track's called Dreaming, CJLO, 
And you're listening to CJLO, 1690 AM. This is the Pia Show. We talk about all graphic arts all the time. And that was Blondie with Dreamin'. We're talking about Sandman miniseries. This is, this is all the different offshoots. But uh, let's do some news because I didn't have a chance to. There's lots of stuff to talk about last week. Cause, but there wasn't a lot of time. And I got locked out of the station. That was fun. That uh, was a lot of fun. Anyways, um, let's see. Uh, I got some comics not too long ago, a couple weeks ago. It's been like a really long time since I bought some comics and stuff was piling up and I had to get it. I had no choice. You know how it is. I had no choice. I had to buy those comics. They were calling my name. Um, anyways, they were uh, A New Adventure Time, which I totally love. I That's like one of my favorite comics and I think it's like one of the only things I'm actually buying is <laughs> Adventure Time. Um, also, Marceline and the Scream Queens number one came out, which is also f- fantastic and the other thing i love about um adventure time comics is that they get like independent people to contribute and let them illustrate in their own style which is really excellent and i mean uh simpsons used to do it with treehouse of horror but it's still so much fun to see especially when it's a cartoon you really love uh also i wanted to tell you i got the new issue of hawkeye which was uh written by somebody (laughs) and david aja illustrated it i think it was written by matt fraction uh I'm pretty sure. But I actually really liked it, although I have to admit it kind of looked a little bit like um, Marcos Martin or um, Pablo Rivera. Is that right? No, no, it's not like Pablo Rivera. It's more like Marcos Martin. Anyways, my point is is that it's really interesting and very slick and stylish. And it looks like if um, somebody who worked in the Mad Men advertising department did a comic. Very stylish. Very slick. And it's like all in purples and blues and lots of like... Yeah, it's it's it looks like human target actually if I could be more precise. But anyways, my point is is it was enjoyable especially since Marvel these days hasn't really been doing it for me at all and I haven't even bothered to look at any of these Marvel now so I'm kind of disappointed about the whole thing but that's just me and uh, that's uh, what else did I get oh I got a comic about the Green River Killer which was pretty interesting because it wasn't specifically about the Green River Killer it was actually more about one of the detectives involved in the case and how uh, the kind of toll it took on his life um, because it was written by the son of the detective actually so it was it was a very interesting read very fascinating Um, you know good to learn about stuff uh what else did i get i also got i'm trying to think like imagine in my head what else i got but i can't remember i just got some comics and i devoured them oh i got a wolverine and the x-men because uh i really like nick bradshaw even though he draws like arthur adams and chris piccolo was illustrating it initially and it's kind of an interesting story quentin choir's still around which is kind of interesting i don't know you know marvel 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 what else did i want to tell you there's a comic convention coming this isn't coming till next month, actually. Uh, the 14th, 16th of September, it's going to be at the Palais de Congrès, and it's going to have a lot of cool things like the Batmobile, and the girl who played Supergirl, and uh, Kirk, Captain Kirk, William Shatner will be there, and the guy who played Data, what's his, Brent Spiner, uh, Malcolm McDowell from Clockwork Orange, and Tank Girl, and lots of other great movies. I'm excited because Mike Mignola is going to be there. Hopefully I can get another interview with him because that would be kind of sweet. Uh, let's see, uh, the guy who played Spike and the guy who played Xander from Buffy the Vampire Slayer is going to be there. So there's going to be lots of crazy stuff. Lots of crazy people at the Montreal Comic Con. So go, 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 because, you know. Let's see here, George Perez is going to be there. And uh, Jim Starlin and Tim Sale and Darwin Cook and Frank Cho. Oh, I forgot about him. Yeah, so, you know, it's not going to be, like, devoid of people. It'll be fun. Also... <clears throat> 
I wanted to mention that next weekend, the dragons are coming, and this is the last ad I'm going to tell you about it, because, uh, well, except for when I tell you what the dragons were like, because I'm going. Uh, they're playing the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th uh, at the Bell Center, and they're like giant live animatronic dragons. I don't even know if you get to interact with them. That would be super cool, uh, but I, yeah, I'm going to go and tell you all about it after, and then you'll be jealous, because I got to interact with fake dragons that look like real dragons, and I know you wish you were there. Anyways, also wanted to mention that there's going to be a graphic novel course with Pascal Girard. If you call the Drawn and Quarterly uh, phone number or if you go to the Drawn and Quarterly website or if you even just pop into the Librairie Drawn and Quarterly on Bernard Street, they'll tell you all about it. But it starts uh, Tuesday, September 4th and it's um, also on Monday, September 10th, 17th and 24th. So it's going to be for the early weeks of September. So if you're interested in doing that, do it. He's Pascal Girard is an excellent cartoonist and I, you know, if I could draw, I'd probably do it. I'd do it. <laughs> it'd be fun. It'd be interesting. And, uh, you know, if you need it to be that big push that you need, if you're just hoping and waiting. Uh, I also wanted to mention that I'm kind of excited about this. I don't know if you're excited about this, but I really used to really, really love Arrested Development. And I think I mentioned a while ago that they're doing a TV show and a movie. Well, they've just started filming the TV show. If you follow Jason Bateman on Twitter, you can f- he's been Twittering photos from it and stuff. So that's kind of exciting. Um, only The thing is, it's only going to be on Netflix. So I don't know how that's going to work out. But I download everything. So hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to really download that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I uh, also wanted to mention Under Pressure is happening right now, which this is the graffiti festival that happens downtown Montreal down in uh, by Peace Park there. They have lots and lots. Lots of lots of beautiful pieces of art to look at and uh, interesting symposiums about art and legalities and stuff. So that's happening right now and it's stopping today, I guess. I uh, also wanted to mention Fantasia's Over. <laughs> and I didn't get to talk to you about the last show that I saw and, and it was called Love Strikes and it was uh, this Japanese love movie. And the thing is, is, it was the second movie I saw where the last five minutes left me going, what the hell? And it's not because it was like weird. It just didn't make any sense. And it kind of these not making sense movies bug me and I wish I could talk to somebody about them maybe I missed something but anyways Love Strikes was a lot of fun because it was from the perspective of a 30 year old man who was has suffering a massive drought of women and then all of a sudden all these girls were interested in him but there was only one that he was really interested in and it was there was some really quirky funny things about it and the thing is, is like, I also went and saw the Spider-Man movie and the Batman movie. And in a couple of weeks, hopefully we'll be talking about the glut of superhero movies that have come out recently. But the thing is, is so I saw these movies and I just wasn't really into it. And I almost fell asleep during Spider-Man. And it just was so depressing to me because it's like, here I just saw Reign of Assassins and Love Strikes. And I forget the third one. Oh, yeah. Sex Hunters, whatever. And all three of them were just so much better than Amazing Spider-Man and Batman. I laughed so much more. I had so much more fun. I got so into the storylines more. I was like excited to be there and to be watching them. And it's just what a sad state of affairs. <laughs> and I, I kind of feel like I'm the only person that feels that way because everybody else is going on and on about the great Batman movies. And the, well, not many people love Spider-Man, but I don't know. I I don't. They just can't get it. I don't know why. They just can't get it. Um, what else did I wanted to tell you about? I think that's it. I think that's all the news I had for you. Yes, that is all the news I had for you. Should we go to another track? Yeah. Yeah, let's go to one more track. This track is called... Oh, death. (laughs) 
Oh, Death, you wacky character. Uh, as you well know, in the Sandman series, uh, Death is a perky little goth girl. She's a cute little top hat and wanders around with an umbrella. And they did uh, two miniseries, which we will be talking about after this song. Um, and she is the last thing you see before you die. So aren't you glad to know that in this fictional world of life <laughs> that Neil Gaiman has created for us, that Death is someone, some hot goth chick? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm happy. That that satisfies me. But anyways, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. CJLO.com. CJLO, 1690 AM. This is the PS Show. When we come back, we'll be talking about uh, Lucifer. This is Jen Titus singing Oh Death. Won't you spare me over another? But what is this that I can't see with eyes closed? This is CJLO 1690 AM. This is the Automatopoeia Show where we talk about all graphic arts all the time. And uh, we're talking about Sandman series that have spun off from the Sandman series. Oh, uh, you just heard Jen Titus singing Oh Death. That's actually from the Supernatural series. Isn't that a little weird coincidence? Uh, but anyways, uh, whatever. Everything culty and occulty is cool now so <laughs> does it really matter no uh also i wanted to talk about lucifer so <laughs> that's what we're talking about now it's a it's a series that spun off from the sandman lucifer was a character within the sandman series because at one point uh morpheus was a total dink and uh was courting this princess this african princess and she realized that it would be very wrong for her to uh be the consort of the lord of dreams and denied him and then in anger he was like well i punish you to hell for the next bajillion years for no good reason just because he was uh scorned and uh then when he came back from his own imprisonment uh from the alistair crowley type person otherwise known as anthony burgess um 
he wanted to write things that were wrong. And so he went down to hell and he knew he freed Nuala, which was the princess. Um, but then while he was there, uh, Lucifer, the Satan was like, oh, I hate this place and I'm tired of this job here. Take the key to hell. I'm out of here. Bye. <laughs> and that was the end of that. So then it became this really interesting story arc where like um, all these different gods were trying to curry favor with Morpheus so that they could get the real estate of hell because it was like this huge resource of souls. Um, so that, like I said, was a very fascinating storyline. But with after that, Lucifer went off and had his own adventures in, on Earth and in Heaven and other levels of hell. And uh, he was accompanied by his sidekick, Mazine, who was like this uh, mangled, her face was mangled half her face was mangled so you could barely understand what she was saying um and you were introduced to other um angels like at one point uh duma the angel of silence and remiel who is quote-unquote said over those who rise ended up taking over hell because nobody else would take it and god was like okay well i decree you to go down there and take care of it um so there was it was interesting like lucifer opened a club and he was like this piano player (laughs) and it was i was fascinating and there were like i said there was some really good art in there uh mike carey wrote most of it but uh scott hampton wrote uh, illustrated a mini series um who else was involved in it yeah just a bunch of different um dean ornstrom i think was another one that was involved in it if i could reach i would tell you more about it but they like the story arcs were fascinating because like like the dreaming you got to learn more about these characters that sometimes uh neil gaiman only just touched upon within his series so it was it was a lot of fun it was a good series and there's Oh, gosh, how many issues? There's a lot of them. <laughs> There's, let's see here. Uh, it doesn't say. Oh, well. I could tell you some other time. <laughs> but it's just the idea. You know what I mean? That that Satan is just this guy who's tired of dealing with it all. And uh, let's just go on this uh, adventure with Satan and Lucifer. See how he's doing as he hangs out around the world. Yay! So, yeah, that was that. Um, another story arc that was really interesting within the Sandman mythos was the... Um, uh oh what were they the, the, oh i forget what it was called it started with these boys it must have been within this yeah yeah i'm pretty sure okay so at one point rose is at the school and she comes across the ghost of a boy and the boy was killed within the school uh due to bullying and he's one of two boys that have been killed and both and like death encounters them at one point and they've both decided that they're not going to die that they're going to stay on earth to get so they could be together even though they're two boys from two different time periods now what ends up happening actually which is really cool is jill thompson came along and uh jill thompson decided that she was going to do a mini series about these boys and what became this really sort of depressing uh harsh story about bullying evolved into this sort of dead boy detectives where it was like these sort of hardy boy ghosts uh doing their sort of nancy drew thing featuring a cameo by death and it, it like jill thompson has this really great sort of pseudo manga style um and it's she, it, she really she evolves all over the place anyways this uh, dead boy detectives is about a kidnapping or I guess I'm missing persons, you could say. And the two uh, dead boys decide to go on the case to find out who, what happened to the young woman. And uh, Sandman makes a little guest appearance. And it's totally for preteens. Like, it's totally not what you'd expect from... If you'd read the Sandman series, it, it gets really dark. There's all these miniseries, like, about death and... Um, the girl who would be death and uh, the dreaming that are just really, really, really dark stories. And then all of a sudden you have the, 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 the dead, 
Dead Boy Detectives. Yay! Which is actually a continuation of a series of books that she's been doing uh, about the Little Endless. In 2001, Jill Thompson did this one-shot storybook, which uh, depicts the Endless as toddlers. And we follow Delirium's dog, Barnabas, as he tries to find the missing Delirium. Now, this is fully painted by Jill Thompson, and it's utterly adorable like you're just like oh my god this is the cutest thing i've ever seen and you you have to read it now she did that which is a little endless storybook which is just beautiful to look at then she did um death at death's door which was like another sort of like and it's even in the style like in the shape of a manga graphic novel in just like the dead boy detectives um now this story is really great because it actually takes place within the series uh that sandman wrote so she had to kind of like um uh, what's the word? She had to get Neil Gaiman's permission. It's based on the Sandman Seasons of Mists. And what ends up happening is um, when hell shuts its doors, all the dead people have nowhere to go. And so, like we were just telling you, you know, like when uh, Lucifer decides that he doesn't want to rule hell anymore the door shut and that's it. The dead souls have nowhere to go. So death is like accumulating dead souls but she has nowhere to put them. So she ends up asking her sisters for help and that would be delirium who's crazy and uh despair who's really depressed and so what delirium's brilliant idea is she invites all the dead souls over to death's house and they have a huge party <laughs> so like it's completely irreverent totally goofy but awesome and a lot of fun and it it really sort of you know, it explains things and you got to really respect and appreciate that. All right, we're going to go to another track. You're listening to CJLO 1690 AM. This is the Onomatopoeia Show where we talk about all graphic arts all the time. The track we're going to go to now is uh, the Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil, CJLO 1690 AM. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you something new with modern music where you can sit back and relax and take some of the wonderful things. We bring you... Ladies and gentlemen, let's give them a big hand. Let the rhythm hit them, CJLO 6090 AM. Check it out every Tuesday night, 8 to 9, for your hour of hip-hop. Thank you. 
you're listening to CJLO 1690AM. This is the Onomatopoeia Show where we talk about all graphic arts all the time. That was the Rolling Stones with Sympathy for the Devil. Because uh, Lucifer, he gave up his gig. Now he's just a wandering minstrel. And it's so hard. It's so hard. Anyways, I'm just exaggerating. I'm sure Lucifer has it fine. <laughs> Anyways, we're talking about spinoffs of the Sandman series that Neil Gaiman had created. Uh, we're running out of time, so I'm just going to quickly touch on some things. First of all, it was issue number 25 of the Sandman, or Seasons of Mist, if you're looking at the graphic novel or collections, where the dead boy detectives first appeared. Or the First they were the dead boys. Then they became the dead boy detectives after they were dead. And then Jill Thompson did her irreverent, goofy, preteen, manga-ish story about them. Um, there were 75 issues of Lucifer, so it was a long, long series, and that was a lot of different artists and a lot of different writers, and it was really, really good. Um, same with the Dreaming. Like I said, if you get upset because there's the Sandman is finite and you want more, it might not be as good as what Neil Gaiman has written, but it still is a lot of fun to read, and it's enjoyable to continue to know about what's going on with the characters that Neil Gaiman created. Uh, now, I also wanted to quickly mention some of the other spinoffs. Like, for example, in 1993, illustrated by Chris Bacalli, he's called uh, The High Cost of Living, and that was oh, it was great. It was this, uh, basically once every... 100 years death decides to show herself as it becomes a human so that she can remember what it's like to be a human and understand the people that she's taking to death under uh better and so it's like it's a really sweet uh three issue miniseries they've collected it there was a sequel in 96 that came out called the time of your life which was illustrated by chris bacallo and mark buckingham and it's they're just Great. Of course, both were written by Neil Gaiman, so, you know, it's no big surprise. Also, I don't know if I remembered it last time, but one of the last series that they did involving the Sandman was uh, the Dream Hunter series. And initially, that was a book uh, that came out in, let's see here, 1999. It was prose novel, and it was illustrated by Yashitaka Mano, who is this amazing Japanese artist who's done stuff for Final Fantasy and Vampire Hunter D. Beautiful, beautiful work. Um, basically, it was about how uh, Lord of Dreams became like a fox spirit to this monk, and it was a love story. And, and eventually, actually, in uh, 2009, uh, P. Craig Russell adapted it into to a comic book so it's it's an interesting Mobius loop of artists that have worked with Gaiman before uh, now the whole impetuous of this show uh, was the fact that this year at the San Diego Comic Con it was announced that in 2013 there's going to be a prequel Sandman coming out written by Neil Gaiman and illustrated by J.H. Williams III who is definitely on par to illustrate that over like the rest of the artists that have contributed because he is a fantastic artist just he's been doing batwoman and it's so amazing his promethea work is stunning so that was great um also what else did i want to mention lastly i wanted to mention that there was uh this excellent collection it's you know it came out not too long ago long after sandman finished uh it came out actually in 2003 but it's it's a really great primer if you've never cracked open a Neil Gaiman comic or even have any idea about the Sandman series. Um, sometimes it's hard to read comics. I know that I've tried to get people to read Sandman. They're just like, we don't even know how which way to read the panels. They go all over the place. Um, but if you stick with it, it really, 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 really is quite the reward in the end. But a great primer is the Sandman Endless Nights that came out in 2003. Each chapter is about each family member of the Endless. And each story is just fantastic. I mean, you've got P. Craig Russell dealing with um, a military assassin uh, talking to death. You have this 
excellent Scottish tale by Milo Manara, totally painted. You have Miguel Prado um, illustrating a story that explains uh, the Green Lantern essence as well as t- learning more about Morpheus. You have Baron Story dealing, uh, doing a bunch of different portraits of despair. You have uh, Bill Sinkovich doing a story about delirium. Like it's so each artist is so appropriately situated to do each story. Like it's almost like Neil Gaiman's like I'm at the top of the heap now. I'm just gonna cherry pick my favorite artist to do each whatever story I want. And I mean that's the benefits of being a great writer. You can do that and it really really lends itself nicely to this story. The Sandman endless nights each story it's just standalone and it's like i said a great introduction uh also there was one other thing the frank quietly story about destiny is just leaves one speechless it's so beautiful all right so and that's that that's the end you can go to wikipedia and find like all sorts of listings about all the different miniseries and what a little mini synopsis about each one is there's tons of collections for all these stuff like all these things have been collected it's not hard to find half the stuff i mentioned because it's just it's so popular and so well written that it's the kind of thing that everybody wants to have in their collection and wants to be able to find immediately you like seriously as soon as you start reading it you'll be like why how could i ever live without reading this you'll be in shock like me i it took me a little while to read it i certainly did not read it immediately and i when i did i was just like what i'm an idiot why didn't i read this sooner holy cow this is amazing okay i don't know what's gonna happen next week i gotta be honest with you all i've been doing is watching project runway (laughs) i'm like totally in love with mondo and i just want to talk about mondo all the time i want to be like mondo's fag hag i've never wanted that in my life but i am just so in love with this show and that designer and i'm like i've always been into fashion but and then of course this week vanity fair comes out and it's like the book of style it's the seventh annual style issue so fashion 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 that's all that's happening in my world these days so maybe i'll whip that up into a new show or something i'll make a dress out of it anyways okay so we're gonna leave you with one more track cjlo 1698 am cjlo.com this track is called come sweet death and it's uh, uh written by composed by johann sebastian bach and it's sung by a choir that refuses to mention their name so i can't tell you which choir but anyways cjlo death come come sweet death 